I'm going to have to look that up. Aloha, everyone. It's Brian. It is the start of a new month, November. Hope everyone is doing well. A few updates on my end. Um, have not gotten the Call of Cthulhu game with the family out yet. Mainly because our move to our new home uh, here in Queensland had been a bit delayed. We were able to settle on time, but stretched out the move over a few weekends. Unfortunately, due to both work commitments I had, other things going on to help the family. So that resulted in moving on the one weekend and then ooh, Friday, Saturday, moving a lot of stuff and then Sunday getting house organized and a few other repairs set up which many of you I'm sure have gone through uh, so it made it a bit rushed uh, the good thing is I've still been doing a bit of family D&D uh, fifth edition with my son uh, so that's good I'm uh, looking forward to Empire of the Cyclops Con coming up. So at the time of recording here, we're at the beginning of November. It'll be the first weekend of November. Still time to sign up. I think one of my games has spots probably because of the hour. Uh, it's a game that's on Sunday morning Australia time, Saturday evening. It might even be either 7 or 8 p.m., East Coast time, we move the time up. So uh, if you're in the U.S., uh, it's an evening time slot, but you might be might be occupied. Uh, for those in Europe, unfortunately, it's going to be in the middle of the night. But anyway, it's a con with heavy uh, dungeon crawl classics, mutant crawl classics, but not exclusively. So many of the games will be those systems, but there are 5e games. There are probably some other old school Old school essentials, especially, but older D&D editions that you can sign up for. And as I've said before, one of the highlights, if not the highlight for many people, the games are obviously always good fun. But the Gather Town app of wandering through the conference and being able to interact with your friends, see the dealer hall, meet random people, including Joseph Goodman, <laughs> as, as we did last time, uh, enter in pickup games, uh, play some of the games. They had a virtual arcade in one retro arcade where you can actually play retro arcade games online. They had a you know few few clues and I'd guess a, a mini adventure buried inside of it. You can get yourself into the old school Tomb of Horrors. And the last one, I think, what did we do? I think it was the same thing. Send us some clues to get you to some secret doors, uh, other locations, find the hidden treasure, etc. But it, yeah, it is pretty, pretty neat. Pretty neat for an online con. So please check it out. And that's it. So I'm hoping to have, as I said, a bit more on Cthulhu in the next episode maybe including some notes from from family game or local game um which has been hard to get to but now that we are here and especially once we get to the end of the year and start the new year with a bit of uh, relaxation in the covid requirements bigger gatherings at least more freedom to move around uh we'll be able to get back up there's a couple of great meetup groups so that'll be 
probably the next episode. But what I was going to focus on now, just briefly some thoughts I had inspired by Discord conversations and recent news. Just another, I would say, installment or an update on the series of how I learned to stop worrying and love 5th edition. Of course, when I put together the last episode that I did on 5e and the title tongue-in-cheek, but part of it, well, I'd say there's actually a few parts of it if I go back. The first part of it was that when I got back into games, as I talked about back at the beginning of the podcast, it was obviously through Dungeons & Dragons, mostly my, not so much surprise as it, at it being around, just had not thought much about it. Perhaps in the background knew it was around, but you know, missing on the changes of editions. And to be honest, not having been in many game stores, I think on a few occasions I had gone into comic stores, but over that time had started to get back into board games and looking for better board games. And so eventually it would lead me to that and discovering, of course, the fifth edition being the new edition, everything else. So a big motivation is just to be a part of this world again that I, you know, remembered. And obviously it's not the same world as many of us first encountered with D&D, but there's always a place, you know, in my gaming heart or life for many versions of Dungeons and Dragons. It's probably also why when, you know, I discovered kind of some of the older school games and got into DCC, the feel, the theme, the tone, the humor, and then the community of DCC, I think just hit all of the right beats for me in terms of what I was looking for in gaming, uh, whether that's fantasy or more broadly gaming, you know, a, a serious game by some measures, but also a game that doesn't take itself too seriously. So in keeping up with 5e, or at least paying attention to it, part of it is just wanting to be part of that world. And I'll be honest, it is, as we said, you know, this this golden age, but the fact that it's recognized much more, more popularized in media, people are getting into it, a lot of it being with D&D as the entry point, is something I want to be a part of, at least a bit. And, of course, you know, there's being a fan, and then you stray a little bit too far, perhaps, being a zealot, you know, or go the other way and saying, well, just because everybody is playing D&D, I refuse to play it or don't want to play it. And that's not necessarily what I'm suggesting. And for those people who don't play, especially in the anchor community, either have played or found that it's not necessarily their game. I, I don't think it's the case that it's just swearing it off because it's either popular or that's what people are playing. So I find that I'm kind of in the middle of the same thing is that I want to keep up with it and I think it is great overall for the hobby for people getting into it I don't know if I told this quick story but when we got into D&D and had the starter set and I had printed out at home the pdf of the free basic rules that fifth edition had and Watsy made available I just figured well we'll we'll use these and the easiest thing for me to do was take it down to our 
I can't even remember in Hawaii because we didn't have so many didn't have so many of the big US office stores. When I mean, we did, we had Office Max Staples, but at some point they were closing them up. So it was one of them and we had a few on the island and so I went down to probably Office Max uh, near me and you know went in to get the rules printed and it you know, only cost geez, it probably cost less than five bucks just to get them printed with the basic uh, you know, rings, the, the little plastic rings. And the young, the young woman who uh, took the order immediately recognized what it was and, and launched into a discussion of, you know, what she liked. And I told her about my son getting into it, etc. So I think just that and, you know, being in a place um, and having that interaction, uh, I think just kind of reinforced to me of the fact that in some ways, gaming's evolved and grown, which is great overall. So, as I said, part of it's you know getting back into that, and then the other part of it is then because of me and my intro and just again the, I'd say the there's a power of the brand and the first part of the discussion. I won't talk about the brand is is in terms of economic brand, but just you know the 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 images, Dungeons and Dragons, and the art, and so when my son was a bit younger and we got the set was just intrigued by it and intrigued by magic and at this point he wasn't as into as much media as he is now but this just captured his imagination much as it probably captured mine when I was his age or even it captured it was a bit older I think he was a bit younger when we started and so it just grew from there and so right now he's been keeping up a lot with just the game and developments and in no small part due to the Young Adventures guides, <laughs> which have been fantastic. So it just helps him think more about, you know, how to play, different aspects of the lore, different things to explore. And so, of course, for me, I'm, I'm more than willing to support it. So, you know, getting back to the way I started, it, is, is that's really why I launched this. And it's not necessarily to be a, you know, the, the, the voice box or to be the zealot for 5e, but it's just my kind of, coming to the point that, hey, this is a game that I can still enjoy, can play with my son. It's a game that, as I said before, you know, it's popular enough that I could wander into, even under COVID restrictions, a Singapore gaming shop and take part in a one shot, take part online, take part in meetups here. Um, and that's, to be honest, as, as many people talk about, I am, I'm at the point where, especially if it's a physical game, whether I know people or not, if people are gathering, I would almost play maybe not any game, but definitely open to games, just the experience. And you know, whether it's 5e or it's a game that I've heard of but never played or never even heard of, I'd be open to trying it just a game right now. So that's also why, with it being the big dog still, I'm I'm okay with playing and keeping up with it a little bit. But here's where I diverge, and this is where I, I think a fair distinction could be made, and it's part of the Discord conversation that occurred. And for um, and I guess I should back up and be clear. It was, uh, and I don't remember. It wasn't necessarily one of the normal uh, anchor servers. I think that a lot of the Discord folks are part of, uh, but it just brought up the discussion of the Watsi hardback releases. And when I say Watsi, many people know that I'm talking about Wizards of Coast. And I guess that here's where I'm, I, I, I tend to separate my thoughts or feelings about 
the overall game worlds, etc., of Dungeons and Dragons and its current 5e, you know, iteration. And the company, Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro, and the brand D&D and the things that they're doing. And this led me to another aspect that I, I've come to love about it. The, it's almost not so much that it's, since it's the game that everybody's playing and it's so popular that, that I feel that that's what we should play. But the one thing that that does is it leads to an overwhelming amount of content. And to be honest, it's it's one of the reasons I, uh, a small reason, but it is a reason when I got you know around to finally looking at Call of Cthulhu, and we will pick back up on that uh, in future episodes, but was the, the community around it and just the wealth of material that sprung up around it. So not just obviously the base Call of Cthulhu, but Chaosium, but then I had to learn that there are different flavors, different time periods. There's Pulp Cthulhu, Octon Cthulhu, you know, Apoca Cthulhu, and all of these different iterations playing on it, not to mention just the, you know, the third party or the independent adventures. And so many different iterations can give you, you know, you know the, the paralysis of, of too many things to decide from. But on the other hand, it lets you take a well-known or at least popular, if you want to say it, popular in that it's it's recognizable and many people now understand the basics of it and play interesting settings, adventures that are made by game makers that are hopefully benefiting from it. And I know that's more often than not, not necessarily the case 100% or if it is the case, the margins are small, but in getting different content that's written, you know, for the 5e or for Cthulhu, I'm less concerned with the rules or that it's 5e and more, I guess, concerned or more interested in maybe the setting or the unique adventure that someone has put out, particularly if it's someone I, well, what if it's someone I know even more so, but know in the sense that maybe listen to them on podcasts, read their stuff on the internet, and come to maybe learn a bit more about, so you feel like you, you have an understanding of, of certain people, certain creators. And it's one aspect that I love, and I think Jason had pointed out, rightfully so. It's an aspect that can be said of many different games and systems. And I, I think that's valid. It just, it just so happens this is the one right now uh, for me and and for a lot of others and I think because of the market size but it lets you start from say one of the fifth edition starter sets adventures etc but pivot from there and say well I don't need to play the hardback books that are coming out let me take a look at all of this 5e material that's put out by not only independence but you can even look at case in point uh, you know, Monty Cook, big, big D&D designer, big game designer, and the amount of material that he's been putting out that's 5e compatible, essentially, Talus, you know, running 5e, um, Talus, the game that uh, will not only keep your campaign going for years, but will help you improve your uh, weightlifting and stamina abilities if you want to lug a few of those books around. <laughs> and uh, There's a, a Plane Breaker one. There's other ones he's done for 5e. And so in, in some ways, even if you're not as a fan of Watsy 5e 
5e in the sense of what what it's doing where it's going with whatever forgotten realms lore there's so much out there that you can kind of follow your favorite designer and play their creations that just so happen to be set in the 5e rules and with the 5e rules you know appropriately tweaked so it's it's those things right now and to be honest <laughs> most of the things that i end up buying for 5e fall in that category um either independent creators you know buying things on drive through or backing kickstarters um there was one by it's uh, i mean it closed a little while ago and it you know will fulfill here i'm probably in the new year god the publishing uh industry has been taking a beating with with paper and supply as a lot of people do but the venture maidens podcast had put out a, a 5e book and again just as a different setting and a different take and from you know group of creators that you know and listening to them and following and essentially consuming their content you know for free uh this is a great way one to support them but very interested to see how this turns out and a few other 5e products I've gotten. Uh, one thing that I'll, I'll highlight in the future is go into the you know the original Adventures Reincarnated that Goodman Games has done, and I talked about them earlier. But again, uh, you know, a great product, and and they've just done a lot of work to basically showcase them, improve them, update them, so that you can pop them into a 5e game. So, you know, as I said before, it it can apply to many games, and so this is this is definitely not necessarily. I guess, an episode to try to convince you or, or to, you know, contrast and compare. In fact, if anything, one of the things that I've found is I get drawn to podcast episodes about game systems that I've been hovering around or never really looked into, uh, just based on someone just talking about why they like them, the things they like, the different settings, creations, etc., and then looking around to see how strong the community is around that that creation, you know, how much it thrives because of that. And again, DCC, case in point, that's that's what brought me over. I would not have. I, my my limited understanding was it was a an old school retro clone with some new rules and a funnel because that was, at the time, all I had kind of heard about it until I sat down, looked at the quick start, then listened to a few other podcasts and read some things and got to interact with some people, albeit online, about, you know, what what's this game, what they like about it. And again, you know, replace DCC 5e Cthulhu with game of choice that you're interested in. And you'll probably find the same thing. So, but the other, actually, yeah, but I'd say the other main point that I've come to kind of accept, and it may lead me away, or at least less necessarily standard 5e uh, published material books, etc. It's just the overall direction that uh, Watts has taken. And it's not necessarily that I'm on the bandwagon that Watts is destroying D&D or that things they've done, you know, are betraying the fan base. But I, I think from looking at them, and again, I have not been as caught up in D&D because I left at first edition at basic expert came into it at 5e and you know know the history of tsr and wizards and then hasbro but i'm not as steeped or invested in it as others have who have played the systems coming along but it, it's clear to me that now they have a certain direction and the things they're doing to build the brand and 
what I've found, and this is part of why I learned to stop worrying and love it, <laughs> is that uh, loving it meaning I just accept it and can choose to not purchase or to not worry about that and play 5e or any game the way that I want to. And I think what spurred this recent Discord discussion is the release schedule for upcoming books. And I'll admit that no matter how much I want to look at other content and even explore other games, I am always drawn to when there's a discussion of what is what's he going to put out next? What's the next adventure? What's the next book? Let's get ready for the next book. And to be fair, we, we have the core books. Uh, we got the some of the, uh, maybe all the expansions, Xanathar's, Tasha's, and then we do have Mythic Odysseys of Theros, which I got for my son, mainly because of the Greek mythology tie-in. We're not magic players. Um, and that's one that we may end up playing and again only because as a it has a niche interest for us i don't know how the broader community either dod or magic feel about it but in looking at this in the back of my mind or my heart i was kind of looking for at one point watsy to bring back one of the old settings and i guess it's been teased or talked about or announced so i was looking for a dragonlance book or maybe a planescape book or spelljammer and now planescape and spelljammer were settings I knew about but never played in. I mean, I've learned more about them since. Dragonlance read the novels and kind of devoured the lore, never really played the modules per se. And I think even at that point got the sense that the modules seemed to be playing through the books. And since I was a big reader of kind of the original chronicles and the tales, etc., wasn't really sure how that worked out. But I'll admit that the the war, minus the heroes, if you can kind of move away from that, you know, it's kind of it's similar in some ways to people won't like this comparison perhaps. But when I think about Star Wars or other IPs, you really need to have the world stand a bit on its own beyond the main characters. Because to me, and, and this is my preference, if I'm doing a role playing game. I want to play in that world, or I would want to play in that world, but not necessarily be the main characters, or I'll caveat that, not be the main characters playing the same story, per se. And there are times when that varies. So for Dragonlance, I wasn't as interested in, in replaying the specific Chronicles, but definitely in a world that was built up as much as it was with dragons. And in doing this, and the specific discussion was around the most recent release, which is announced, which is another critical role book. And I had mixed feelings about it, and I, I didn't know why at first, because in some ways I should have very little feelings. Part of it was, to me, I said, well, one, uh, it's not that I'm not a critical role fan. I haven't spent the time to get into it. I've, I've watched a few episodes. I have a feeling that if I sat down, I probably said this, I have a feeling that if I sat down and my son and I streamed that, you know, when it's TV series time on the weekends instead of one of the other episodes, he would love it. And in fact, at some point, we may do that because compared to some of the other series, some are great, of course, you know, the endless streaming choices, but more often than not, we get in a either between seasons or when one finishes, we get in a rut of trying to figure out, you know, a, a good series to watch next and not one that later on we're going to say we've oh, invested too much wasted time. But 
So absolutely nothing against Critical Role. It's just I I never watched it, and to be honest, the length of the episodes just got to be too much for me. And I kind of realized now, and I started to realize that I needed to, to approach it. And perhaps as many people have, is that that's you know that may be your show of the week or one of your shows that you that you watch. So, you know, by the time you're coming into it late, it's like everything else. You feel that you've got a backlog of so much that it's just too difficult to get in. Um, that's that's one reason. But you know, the the the, the second aspect of it, and again, it, it's obviously fantastic. I realize what it's done for the hobby in general. And so to me, while this may not be what I'm looking for, because not being a fan, I'm obviously not necessarily interested in a critical role setting book. In some ways, it does make perfect sense because one, it follows maybe the brand and the popularity and how people have gotten into it. But two, it is a new setting. And I thought, you know, now it's the, the Matt Mercer and Critical Role team setting, but it's a setting they built on 5e. And I thought, well, <coughs> this is a new non-Forgotten Realm setting with new characteristics. And it's also a world that people have watched on a screaming, sh- excuse me, screaming, streaming show that has proven to be not only highly entertaining, but dramatic and potentially introduce things that people haven't, you know, experienced in either the printed Watsi worlds or other Watsi world settings. So even if, what I came to realize, I guess I should say, excuse me, even if you're not a fan, just in the fact that it's a different setting, I I started to kind of dial back my view that, oh, it's a critical role book or all, they're just chasing the cash. Uh, Which, by the way, from an economic view, I, I don't, think it's necessarily chasing the cash, but I do think for Watsi, this is the thing that they're saying, yes, we need to follow and capitalize on this uh, because it'll sell. And I have a feeling it'll be pretty good. I have a feeling that if I knew more about it or if I picked up the book and read it, it'll be pretty good. It's just that I know that I'm not necessarily the audience. And in discussing it with folks on the Discord, I I think I kind of, they helped me think through a few thoughts is that this makes perfect sense, but one of the things that I and others said is, you know, we were all looking for an older setting book. And I actually stopped to think and I said, well, even though I would like to see an older setting book, I suppose, I'm not sure why Watsi would need to put one out. And we actually had that discussion. And, and there are a few good reasons. Obviously, if they put out an older setting they could potentially get some fans. Some are already invested in 5e, but maybe some other fans who are not as invested but old first edition, etc. players come get it. Yeah, that that is part of it. I mean, for me, I don't know that I would get it. I mean, maybe I would if it's one of the older settings. I'm. I think just having it out there is more of a, a, a you know a nostalgic play than anything else. Somebody had actually mentioned that for some of these older settings that many of us enjoy, this makes an easier way to introduce it to not necessarily our kids, but to other people, players, people who have either missed it or younger players who obviously weren't around. And that's true, is, is you know, updating it and putting it into, you know, in this case for Watsi 5th edition, would be a way. I'm not sure, and again, this is not necessarily my preference, I'm not sure that I think there is such a need to do that for me but I see, I see the rationale in that. I'm not sure that that 
would really drive the decision to put it out. Because again, as many people do, I, I'm now in the habit of when I see Watsi, you know, or see Hasbro, I, I realize that they're trying to make decisions, especially with the popularity, especially with the growing revenue they had, of how to best capitalize and keep going. And it's part of the reality. And so I'm sure that goes into it. I guess the, the third aspect that someone pointed out, which I have to agree is a good point, is at least it's not a Forgotten Realms book. And again, no, nothing against Forgotten Realms, but for me, I never played in the Forgotten Realms because it was first edition and before the Forgotten Realms and basic and expert. And I followed Dragonlance, but I never followed any of the Forgotten Realms books. So when I got back into D&D, I had heard a little bit tangentially about the lore, but to me, a lot of these things that watsy has been putting out for the Forgotten Realms, I'm not sure that that setting really holds a lot of appeal for me. For my son, the only appeal is either the things he's encountered through the games or the Young Adventurer's Guide, you know, or heard on podcasts. So <laughs> he's more interested in it because the podcast that we listen to you know, in, in, in particular, he's gotten very interested in Waterdeep only because the D20 Dames, uh, I think second season, uh, have a series where they go to Waterdeep and lots of different interactions. <laughs> so, which, which I think is great. He's interested in that. But to be honest, he's interested because Cat and their campaign played in Waterdeep, made it come alive, and their adventures kind of kind of hooked him in for different things he could do, or, you know, is this important city? Could this be in our campaign? Which is probably not unlike how many others, you know, are finding not just D&D, but a lot of the 5e settings these days. So I guess that, that bit of a tangent ran is just to say that, again, it, it kind of brings to mind that, yeah, these, these product choices that are going to go into a 50 or $60 hardback book from from Watsi. The, the reason now that I'm stopping worrying and, and come to love it is I'm at the point where even though I play it, I'm I'm not necessarily compelled to worry and then buy the next adventure. And I'm getting the sense more and more as my son is playing through and we're kind of on the verge of, of, of doing something else other than D&D or, or even DCC with him. Because to be fair, he's played DCC, he's played D&D, played a bit of No Thank You Evil, which is his first entry into it. So, you know, we're probably over the next year or two, I mean, I definitely will introduce new games with him, and he may, his taste may shift a bit. So, to me, it's not really that big a deal. And what I think I kind of realize, and, and I'm not sure, again, uh, knowing that there are not a lot of um, people in the community right now, I mean, with so many other games that are too wrapped up into it, I think also helps me realize, yeah, I, I don't I don't need to be as wrapped up into it. Um, even if I end up playing 5e most of the time with family or in pickup games, you know, at meetups. And it's partially, it's because of this distinction. And I see that, I guess, a lot of the things coming out, both the marketing, the book selection, you know, and the direction of the game, especially for this uh, new edition that's coming up, the D&D 50, or whatever they'll call it for the, for the anniversary, uh, is, you know, it's, it's, it's done for a series of reasons that I don't need to be worried about. And, in fact, I'm, I'm happy in 
as we did with God, the Tomb of Annihilation adventure that we wrapped up. I'm happy to modify on the fly or even advance different elements. In this case, we did run a... There you go. There's the one pre-packaged uh, adventure that was, that's, we've run, with the exception of the Essentials and the Starter Set, and then some of the, I think, Adventures League publications that they were churning out for free to us during the pandemic... Uh, we, you know, we modified it as need fit, even some of the story elements to try to fit it into a, a, a grander campaign. So I, I'm sure we are doing what many others are doing. And that might be about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it, it's interesting to see what will happen. And especially in comparing this to not necessarily Cthulhu, but in thinking about Chaosium, I've gotten really interested in Chaosium products and Cthulhu and listening to different podcasts where they're where they're talking with, you know, Mike Mason and they were talking about how, you know, Greg Stafford had started and the development of a lot of the games and uh, heard Lynn Hardy tell tell stories and, and development and her gaming and writing experience. I, I'm just interested to contrast, you know, companies like this and, and to see that you know, what, what may happen in five, ten years and, you know, with the state of the industry and gaming and, you know, D&D, it's right now, it's one of those things that it was making a lot of money for Hasbro kind of as a, you know, toy game offering. It's perhaps partially, as we said, coming at the right time because of the popularity, you know, the continued growth in popularity their drive to try to get new gamers in, obviously, because you have to keep selling core books until you get to the D&D 50, and then you can sell a new set of books. But wondering how they have to manage that and how much of that is going to become just another product line, how much of that was a bit of a, I don't want to say bubble, but being in the sweet spot where lots of people either did more gaming or try to get into gaming during the pandemic, albeit virtually. And I guess the last part is what they end up doing digitally. And my 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 gut says, and I I I would I stand in alignment with a lot of people who've said that it's a big reason why they're they're not as into five E or definitely not as you know not as supportive Watsi uh, as they might have been. These are a lot of you know players players people grew up playing D and D is the way that they do digital content, you know, not doing PDFs for fear of the piracy, uh, wrapping everything up into D&D Beyond and essentially having people buy separate hardcover books, buy separate D&D Beyond content, and teasing new formats, which will be some kind of new digital platform that, again, may supersede all these and <laughs> require you to buy new versions of adventures, books, etc. Uh, because that's the corporation has ways that they need to build revenue and then secure revenue. You know, they need the recurring revenue, the subscriptions somehow. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's, I, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, no one is making uh, millions if they're actually doing the creation of the RPG content, the art, the writing. Um, and I know that the, you know, 
full-time staff members actually that do Dungeons and Dragons is uh, I, I don't know for certain but I think from what I've read and heard it's 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 low as compared to the amount of freelancers that they that they use and I'm pretty sure the freelancer rate is is uh, yeah it's pretty meager so I mean for those folks who do write the books uh, I do think in the ones that I've read and, and you know as I said I haven't picked up many of the new ones I'd be interested to see. I am interested in the dragon book, I suppose. Fizzband's dragon book. So that might be one that we that we get. But in in listening to people and, and, and hearing people they've gotten on them, I, I think they have gotten some really, really, really good content and writing. Um, so hopefully for, for those folks that have been able to produce that, they're able to kind of use this as a springboard or not necessarily a springboard for many because they're established creators, just use it to keep doing great things and, and do the things they want to and at least be hopefully financially stable uh, because I, I can only imagine it is not easy. So there you go. Lots of, lots of Watsy rants. We'll get back to Cthulhu and I got to get on to some of these other games. So I'm not one for for news and and haven't done a good froth tribute in a while uh, but I know that there is another Numenera humble bundle and they actually just had a bundle of holding where I bought a whole bunch of stuff and I think it's either additional stuff or you know it it's I, I'm not as familiar with Numenera even though I bought into the the bundle a month or two ago because I do want to get into it. So if you're if you're into Numenera or you have not gotten into it, um, and so in particular this is a great way to get the PDFs. That's out now. Um, there is a game that I have read about, and I think I have you know the PDF of kind of the the base rules, the the free version to kind of get started. Uh, Mothership that's coming out with a box set on Kickstarter launching this month. I don't know if it's live, but this is the month that it was going to launch. So that's probably one I'm going to back because it's a sci-fi game and I think we need, you know, good sci-fi games and it's got a bit of the the alien horror theme, definitely the unknown theme, uh, you know, the perilousness of space, which I think is pretty pretty cool to, to be in that I guess you'd say almost genre, space opera, space opera horror genre. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. So that's it for this week. It was a bit of a ramble, so thank you for staying with me. I hope everyone is still healthy and sane and enjoying their games. Cheers, everyone.